Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, author of Who Do Justice Magic, binaural production engineer Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to this show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. Now, without further ado, our guest for today is Kelly Sparta. She is the host of Spirit Sherpa Podcast, and she is also the Spirit Doctor. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. What is a Spirit Doctor? Ah, good question. So uh, a spirit doctor is someone who uh, works with making the spirit whole, making the spirit well. So the idea being that when you, you know, as you grow up in your life, as you go through trauma, as you go through experiences, uh, you end up with coping mechanisms and, you know, belief structures that get layered on top of your true self. And so what I do is I help to peel back all of those layers so that you can come back to who you authentically are. Hmm. So is everybody authentically the same thing, essentially, or are we all different? Hmm. Good. Okay. So that's a yes. And (laughs) Uh, we are all part of, the whole that is all that is. And in that way, we are all the same. Uh, But we are all individuals as well. That's part of the fun of coming onto this planet is we we get to be uh, different from one another and have different experiences. And so uh, the answer is yes, Hmm. (laughs) we are both. So why do we want to do this? Why do we want to get down to find out who we really are? I mean, do I need to really do that? Is there any benefit to it? Do you have to? No, there's no requirement. Uh, But the the piece that usually causes people to do this work is that they're in pain. And they they have anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and judgments and and monkey mind brain that just makes them miserable all the time. And and, um, so, you know, these are the limiting beliefs and the, the trauma brain responses that we have to train our brains back out of in order to come back to ourselves and not just be a ball of a bundle of reactions to the things that have happened to us in the past. Okay. So, so if we follow sort of your guidance, we're not going to have to deal with some of the adverse effects of trauma. It'll go away. A lot of it. will, yeah. I mean, I, I am not a therapist, so I'm not working with people who are uh, in active trauma. I don't do that. That's, that's therapy. That's what that's for. Uh, but I work with people who I, I refer to them as a wounded well, right? So you're generally you're functional and your life works, but you are anxious and you're not happy. And, you know, your, your inner mind space is cluttered and uh 
aggravating on a regular basis. And so it's, we're, we're unwinding the patterns that create that. And yeah, they, they get permanently unwound. Hmm. You know, I often will get involved in conversations about like what the purpose of this life is. You know, a lot of people say that's, you know, the purpose of life or meaning of life is to learn. Um, when it comes, sometimes I think maybe the purpose of life is to be traumatized because what is more tra traumatizing than living on this planet? You know, that's a, that's an interesting perspective. Um, I, my opinion of it has always been that the purpose of being on the physical plane has, is not necessarily to learn, but to slow down the distance between intent and manifestation of that intent so that there is time to change your mind, that there's no way if you are a, a, an all-knowing, all, you know, able to manifest whatever you want in the blink of an eye, then there's no way for you to evolve if you don't have anything that frustrates you, right? And so that kind of comes into the same concept that you just said, which is, you know, the planet's traumatizing, and maybe trauma is the thing that we came for. Um, you know, that there's an argument for that, actually, because... Uh, trauma is what grows us, right? This one of the things that I tell people all the time is that, that the traumatic experiences that we've had deepen our containers. They deepen our ability to understand ourselves, to be able to hold energy, to be able to uh, do everything that we want to do in the world, but to do it at a deeper level, right? Because when you talk to people who have never had trauma in their lives, they have a very shallow view of the world because they haven't needed to grow it, right? They, they don't help, I, no, that, I didn't say that well. Not that they have a shallow view of the world, but they have a shallow container. And so they can't hold as much energy as people who have dealt with and moved through trauma. And so, you know, the people that I work with are looking at working not just emotionally and energy, but also energetically, right? And so the, energetic container gets deepened through trauma and that allows you to wield more energy in the long run. And so that's an interesting perspective. I've never heard anybody say that we're on the planet to, to be traumatized, but it is an interesting perspective from a, so in duality thinking, which is, you know, the I am me and you are you, and, and we're just here in duality. Um, trauma is bad, right? So there's good and there's bad in, in that thinking. In the experiential level of thinking, which is a step up from duality thinking, trauma is experience. It is just an experience like any other experience. And yeah, I, I could see that that could be, that could be one of the things. It's, it's an interesting perspective. I'll have to chew on that one. Thank you. That's a, that's a gift. I don't often get new perspectives. <laughs> You know, I don't think I've ever met anybody who has experienced any trauma. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's pretty common in the world. Really? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's one of those things that that needed to happen. You know, people have to people have to heal from it. So, like I know everybody's experienced trauma, but I can't imagine people that haven't experienced it. 
Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I misunderstood yeah, what like you I've said. I've never met anybody that has not experienced any trauma. Oh, I, I have. Yeah. 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 Where do you find I've, these people? <laughs> they're few and far between, but I've met several. Who and, and they're generally well adjusted, and they they have a very uh, favorable view on life, and they don't have much worries. Um, but you know, they've lived very sheltered lives too. So, what are just liars? <laughs> uh, maybe I, I, I would lean towards somebody somebody who has an experience, somebody who's pretending to be somebody who's that well adjusted, and they have to be lying. I, I mean, it's. The planet is brutal. The planet is brutal. It is. I, I, um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, if you're if you're talking about people who have had, if they were lucky enough to have the the combination of loving family and sufficient financial resources, then oftentimes that is, uh, you know, you can get that combination where they didn't have. I mean, everybody has their own version of trauma. You know, it's like, oh, you know, my first love broke my heart or, you know, something like that. But, um, you know, I'm talking longer term stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. We all have short traumas. It's like, oh, I stubbed my toe and, you know, whatever. So let's talk about the spirit a little bit. Um, yeah. Like, like if you're just, how, how, what, well, first, let's define the spirit. Like, what is it? Is it our soul? Is it our essence? Is it our higher self? So I, in my perspective, spirit and soul are, are synonymous. So I, I will say that. Um, and in terms of our higher selves, yes. Again, this is one of those things where it gets into the, the technicalities of things because uh, our higher self is is simply our soul without the limiting belief of being in the body attached to it, right? Mm -hmm. So it is the same thing. It's just uh, you know a different angle on the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um. So that means all I have to do is exit my body, and then I'm my soul. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I could do that. That's pretty easy. Although, yeah, there's. So, so here's the thing. If you, let's say you die mm -hmm. um, and you exit your body and you're in the astral and you have not crossed over into the light, right? That's the crossing the veil sort That's of thing. That's the best place to be. Well, yes and no. Uh, the astral, in, in the astral, you will still have elements of your personality from this life, which will include a lot of the limiting beliefs. Right. You'll have a broader view of things because from the spiritual, from the astral, you actually see further and you understand more things. But you still will have your in your inherent personality just with a new perspective. Once you cross over into the light, once you cross the veil, the personality falls away, kind of like an actor stepping off stage for the last time after they finish their after their play wrapped. Right. Is that they. They remember playing the role, but they are no longer in that role, right? Same idea. So just stepping out of the body is not entirely sufficient for being fully in your soul self. Um, stepping through the veil will get you there. Hmm. Have you ever um, stepped out of your body or gone, gone beyond the veil yourself personally? No. 
know, but I, I talk to people who have. I talk to spirits who have. So, How do you communicate with the spirits? Oh, well, it's mediumship is much like translation. You know, it's like you learn how to speak the language and of, of another culture and, and you learn how to translate. So uh, it's essentially you shift your vision into the, the third eye, you know, second sight thing. Uh, and then, you know, the person just comes and talks to you. So when you communicate with spirits, are all spirits, have, do they have um, our best intentions in mind? Or are there spirits out there that really want to harm us? No, there's, there's, there's wide and varied spirits, just like there are wide and varied people. Uh, so, you know, some of them, everybody has their own agenda, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, your guides are there to guide you because that's the agreement that you made when you came into this life with them. And that's, you tend to travel in soul families and you look out for each other sort of thing, right? Um, but in terms of, you know, other spirits out there, I mean, this is one of the things that there's so much attention right now. People want to do astral projection. They're like so into astral projection. And it's I'm fun. like, would you please stop doing astral projection? It is one, unnecessary, and two, incredibly dangerous. And, you know, on top of it, there are people who are saying, oh, well, you know, you can go anywhere in the, in the, the spirit world. Your guardian angel will take care of you. It's like, well, no, no, that's not true either. You know, if you go into the equivalent of a spiritual biker bar in, with one person at your side and, you know, you're screwed. That's how that's going to work. Um, so, you know, it, it is it behooves you to understand the the landscape of the area that you're exploring exploring to make sure that you're going into a place that is both safe for you and safe uh to be in in general um and if it's not safe that you are in a place where you can hold your own in a in a battle right because you know there are biker bars in, in the spiritual world just like there are here not to disparage bikers there are a lot of really nice bikers but you get my point mm -hmm. there's some places you just don't go unless you are prepared to go there and generally it's just lower drama not to go right i i think so, you're the first person to ever say that to me like most of the people that i've talked to consider astral projection something that's just completely natural to human beings and it's something that we all do when we sleep no. <laughs> so there's dream walking and then there's astral projection. And those are different things. The dream world is one place and the astral is another. So in, in the dream world, we are walking through a dreamscape. And there's a reason there are different words for these things. There's a reason it's called a dreamscape as opposed to astral because they are different. And you are traveling in the dream world where you are still in your body. Your spirit is still in your body. Your consciousness is traveling in the dream world. In astral projection, your spirit leaves your physical body and goes other places. Now, when we're young, yes, we may astrally project naturally. If you've ever had dreams of flying, then, then you were astrally projecting. Um, but as we get older and we get more entrenched in our bodies, we stay in them when we dream. And the goal is not to leave your body because 
if you leave your body unattended, something else could come in and take it over. That's unless you're sleeping in protected space, which most people aren't. You know, I have protections up around my house and around my body. And so, you know, if I decided to astrally project, I would be protected, but I still don't do it because it's not necessary. I can do remote viewing or I can do dreamscape walking or I can do any number of other things that do not require my soul to leave my body. And why would I want to do that? Right? Because um, being outside of the body is fun. It's mm. a pleasant experience. It's, um, I don't know. I, I actually prefer being outside of the body. Yeah, well, and, and sometimes, I sometimes I feel Sometimes I feel like I'm just a prisoner in flesh. Mm. I hear that a lot from people who are who are walking a spiritual path, and, and my perspective on it is I chose to be here, and therefore part of the experience is being in my body, and so I'm staying in my body because that's, that's why I decided to be on the planet, hmm. right? So, you know, I figure I've got plenty of time when I'm not embodied to be out of my body. So I'm taking full advantage of the time that I have while I'm here. Yesterday I did an interview with, um, her name was uh, Kat Baldwin. And, um, you know, we always have, I've had this conversation with her more than once um, about this idea that we agreed to be here and we have this soul family and these people have agreed to be a-holes to me so I can learn certain things and all this stuff. I would have never agreed to this. I think I was just duped. Is that possible? Duped? Yeah, yeah. I think they tricked me. I think they, they waved the good part of life in front of me, like, like a carrot, you know, like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But they, they, they didn't bother to show me all the negative stuff so what you're describing to me is not uh being duped it's um it's you haven't yet mined the gifts that come out of the negative experiences that you've had so as you step more into your spiritual work the the very core of the work as you're going through is going back and seeing where a negative experience gave you something that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Right. And it's, it's when you get stuck in the victim energy of the negativity of saying, ah, this was done to me, hmm. then you are stuck in a lower vibration and you're stuck in a space where you don't actually get to get the gift of it. So I'll give you an example. Um, Oh, let's see. Which one do I want to pick? Uh, I was a military brat. And so my mother moved every year or two. So I never had time to, I barely made friends before we moved to another location. And so I was constantly the odd man out. I was, I was the new kid in school. Nobody wanted to be my friends, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I was isolated and alone for most of my life. And so I felt like I didn't belong anywhere and nobody wanted to be around me and all of this stuff that you could get very stuck in and say, you know, you're very negative and, and this stuff happened to me and I got screwed, right? Um, the other side of that coin, though, is I also learned how to connect to people very quickly. 
I learned how to create deep connections on a, in a very short period of time. I learned how to be very flexible and I learned how to fit into different situations and I learned how to uh, become uh, more adaptable and less rigid because I was constantly in new spaces and having to learn new things. Um, and I learned how to rely on myself because I didn't have anybody else, right? So all of these things are the positive side of that potentially negative experience that you would consider to be negative, right? So you have to see both sides of the coin, right? Every gift comes with a challenge. Every challenge comes with a gift. What you focus on is what you expand. Yeah, that's the same answer she gave me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but, but since then, I've had some time to think. <laughs> okay. Bring it. <laughs> All right. I'm thinking if this is really the case, um, these things that I'm learning are only useful to me as long as I'm in a human body. And since I'm not actually a human body, then the whole thing doesn't matter anyway. So I will tell you that I came into this life with lots of memories from past lives. So I still had all of that knowledge walking in the door here. So it doesn't go away, right? And, you know, let's, let's, let's think of this life as a role-playing game. Do you play, you play role-playing games at all? No. Or, or video games? Not really. No? Okay. But you know what they are? Yes. Okay, so we play games so that we can level up, right? Right. And each time we play another level of the game, we get more experience, we get more skills, we, we gather more tools, and we get to play the game at a higher level the next time around, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if the only thing you think this is is a game, which it could be, if it's just a game, we might be living in a very complex VR world right now. Um, if it's only a game, then we're just leveling up. We're just playing the game to level up. But, you know, if you think that it's a school, then we're learning different lessons along the way and we're taking them home with us and whatever. If you think that it's a way to slow down manifestation and have different experiences and grow as an individual, then, you know, okay, it's not a school per se, but it is a, an experience designed to evolve you, right? Different, it's different than a school, but close enough. Then, you know, you're getting to take that with you. Some of these things are physically related. So like, you know, if you become a gymnast or something, that's physical activity. But most of it, occupies spiritual space and, and quite frankly even being a gymnast occupies spiritual space because you have to be fully present to your body and fully in your body in order to make it do the things you want to do so you know every everything you learn that seems to have a physical impact uh, it seems to only be related to the physical world actually has a spiritual aspect to it mm. or it could just be punishment Maybe I was just a bad boy in the astral realm and got sent here for punishment. So you think this is hell? I've I've co I've I've contemplated that before. <laughs> I have. I actually wrote an article about it once. <laughs> you know, they the Pope Pope John Paul II in 1997 issued a papal bull that said that hell 
is not a, pl a place, but a, the state of being separate from God. And so it is the, you know, if you are feeling separated from God, then sure, this could be hell, right? Um, you know, God being a higher power or whatever. But, um, you know, could this be hell? Sure. I mean, I know, I know a lot of people for whom this is hell. You know, they are miserable and unhappy. So, you know, if you invest in that being the truth, then that's what you create. Hmm. You know, I call it getting stuck in the misery box. Everybody's got their own misery box. And if you go in there and you stay there and you make your home there, then you will be miserable and this will be hell. For me, it just depends on the day. Yeah. You know, some days I wake up and I look at it as a spiritual adventure and a growth opportunity. Other days I wake up and it's hell. And yeah. I, I mean, I imagine I'm not the only person who kind of runs through that whole spectrum of different ideas and experiences. No, certainly not. And in fact, I would say that that's pretty normal. Uh, you know, most of the people that I work with and for me too in my life, that has been true. Uh, as you go through your spiritual evolution process, that the number of days that are considered hell goes down dramatically as you go through it, through the process further along. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I mean, maybe two or three times in the last year have I had that experience. And that's mostly because of the pandemic. If you'd asked me in the two or three years before that, it probably would have been one time, you know, maybe maybe two times in a year and a half, two years, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the pandemic's made it harder. But yeah, it's it, really the the work that we do to grow spiritually is is done to reduce those numbers, right? So that we feel better, we feel happier on a regular basis. I guess I'm trying, you know, I mean, I mean, what would make me happy is, I mean, yeah, it would be, it would be sex, cake, and angel dust. All at the same time? Yeah. Th yeah. Th that, that, awesome. that, that, that is my perfect day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ladies, you heard, I'm, I'm assuming you're heterosexual. <laughs> Yes. Assume. <laughs> <laughs> so you know show up at his house you, you know what to bring you're good to go <laughs> some, some cake and some angel dust <laughs> cake and angel dust i, I don't think i don't good. think anybody's ever going to show up at my front door with that combination <laughs> <laughs> you you would be surprised you never know be careful what you ask for <laughs> it, it, it hasn't happened yet <laughs> Well, dude, you know you you did the Grateful Dead, right? You got you got an original Dead T-shirt going on there. Yeah, I like all kinds of music. Yeah. Um. So so how does this um lead to people like the healing process that you're trying to walk people through and realizations where you're trying to like get them to sort of it sounds like you're just kind of trying to get them to the distance themselves to look at things from a broader point of view to see that things are this and that and put them in different categories so, mm -hmm. so they're not affecting a person so much. No? Not really. No. Then, then what's going on? I mean, you know, it is a perspective shift in some ways, but it's not about distancing yourself. 
from the the trauma. In fact, I rarely deal with the traumas at all. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm dealing with the coping mechanisms and the ways in which we we perceive reality today. Um, but the the work is much more about recognizing how the trauma that you've experienced has changed your brain chemistry and changed the way that you see the world and changed the way that you perceive the things that are happening around you because trauma literally does change the brain. It reduces the the um, prefrontal cortex and it increases the amygdala and and it you know prolonged trauma actually changes the physical structure of the brain. And so you know we work more on the reprogramming piece, right? So it's it's much more about understanding what thought processes are are you and what thought processes are your trauma brain right so like my my husband is adhd right he has got serious adhd and i have trauma brain and so we are really good together because i have everything listed down in detailed order of everything that needs to get done i have a rolling list in my head of everything that has to happen because you know one thing that trauma brain does is it makes us control freaks because that's how we try to keep ourselves safe and so i have i have pulled the safety mechanism out of there i'm no longer feeling unsafe if i don't have a full list of things but I do still have that default mechanism of keeping things, you know, keeping a list and, and checking it twice and knowing exactly what's going on and so on. And I don't I don't choose to unwind that because it, it serves me. It works for me. I, I use it. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the other pieces I've pulled apart because they don't serve me. Mm. But they serve him, too, because he'll be like, OK, what's the next thing for me to do? He's he's a very good implementer, but he's not a good tracker because of his ADHD. So. It's got to be yeah. difficult. My way of dealing with trauma is if I have, like, let's say my, my trauma is getting, you know, beat up as a kid or bullied, you know, I just replace it with a bigger trauma, like, you know, getting shot in the ass or something like that. <laughs> and then that makes, like, getting beat up as a better? kid is, like, <laughs> as insignificant. <laughs> And then so the one trauma goes away and it's replaced by this new bigger trauma. Yeah, but then you have a bigger trauma. (laughs) And it doesn't really make the first one go away. It just makes the first one seem like it should be less traumatizing than it actually was, which actually compounds the trauma because you're now minimizing the trauma and saying, well, I shouldn't, I don't have the right to be upset about that because this one was so much worse. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a a friend of mine who worked with, um, with she was a therapist and she worked with people who were highly like in, in incredibly traumatized like kidnapped for years held in basements things like that and inevitably no matter how bad their trauma was they would say well so and so has it worse so i don't have a right to be upset right that's that's what trauma does to us mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter how bad the trauma is we'll say well you know somebody else had it worse so it must be okay yeah, I don't think that works. But I think when you experience something worse, it does kind of work. It doesn't take the trauma away. It puts it in perspective. Like, like I could be leveling up with my trauma. <laughs> like, all right, hey, I've experienced I experienced this trauma, trauma now. but now I'm going to go for the. I'm just going to keep leveling up on trauma to make myself as strong as possible. Yeah, but then then you're also as traumatized as possible. So you know. 
If you're never actually processing your trauma, then going out for more does not solve your problem. But once you process the trauma, wouldn't you automatically go looking for a new trauma? I don't. <laughs> would you? Yeah, I probably would. <laughs> Why would you? I think it's just what I'm used to. Yes. Yeah, see, now that's your comfort zone. That's a different thing, right? So, you know, it, it was very interesting to me. 20, oh, wow. It would have been like, uh, yeah, 20 years ago. I went into my doctor's office and I told her what was happening. And, you know, I had moved and something and I'd broken up with a boyfriend or, you know, I don't even know. But, you know, a bunch of stuff had happened. And it was a normal year for me. Right. Right. And she just looked at me gobsmacked. She, her, her jaw was hanging open. She's like, oh, my God, if I could prescribe you a month at Canyon Ranch, which is a, you know, spiritual retreat center thing. She said, I would right now. And I, I just sort of looked at her confused. I was like, what are you talking about? You know, this, this is a normal year for me. And she's like, oh, my God, that was incredibly traumatizing year. And I was like, I have no idea why you think that this is normal. <laughs> and yeah. now, 20 years later, I look back and I go, oh, yeah, that was an incredibly traumatizing year. You know, and I'm just like, wow. And I had no clue that it was not normal. Right. That it didn't have to be normal. And that's part of the trauma brain. Right. Is that we we have this definition of normal that's completely screwed up. Hmm. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you from the other side, it kind of is, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just keep looking for the bigger trauma. And I figure eventually I'll just hit the ultimate trauma, which will be, you know, death. some kind of trauma out yeah, a traumatic death, you know, like dying in a shark attack or something. But but why? But well, why? Well, then then in my next life, it'll be easy. Really? Yeah, because I've, I've done it all in this life. I got all that trauma out of the way. I, I've hit like so, the, the, I've so hit. There's the, a logical I've fallacy. Hit the, I've, in hit, that. I've hit the trauma max. Like <laughs> there, there's no more trauma to experience. So all my life's after lives after that. I'm going to be completely chill. Yeah, but see, there's a logical fallacy in that. And the, the logical fallacy is that you only are supposed to experience each type of trauma once. That's logical fallacy number one. I can number always two, think of new traumas. <laughs> logical <laughs> fallacy number two is that you would be happy in a life with no trauma. So, you know, this is this is one of those things that you, you have to consider that we experience joy because we experience misery. We experience the, you know, the, the, the good is counterpointed by the bad, quote unquote, because we have that experience of the two. But if we don't have an experience of the opposite, then how do we have a full experience of, of the positive, you know? That's, well, that that, that's that, that, that validates my point, though. Greater the sorrow, the greater the joy. So greater the trauma, the greater the pleasure, right? Theoretically speaking, sure. I'm just not sure that I would seek out trauma to find it. Hmm. I, I am convinced that you have sufficient trauma in your life, that if you went in and did the work, 
you would be able to find sufficient joy and pleasure in your life on the opposite side. But then I'll, once I get that joy, I'm going to want more joy, so I don't go out and <laughs> increase my trauma. I don't know. I mean, to me, that makes I, uh, sense. Yeah, I, I get that it makes sense from, from that perspective, but I will say that there is a limit to that balance. There are a lot of things that are true at the beginning of your spiritual journey that are not true as you get further along in your spiritual journey. And there's a lot of reasons why you may hear things early in your journey that don't, don't make any sense to you, and it's because they're not true for you yet, right? And one of those things is that once you know the essence of something, you no longer need the opposite to give it to you, right? So... For instance, uh, you know, one of the big things that's happening right now is everybody's doing ayahuasca journeys, which is another thing that I'm just like, oh, please. Um, the way people are approaching it is is horrifying. But um, ayahuasca is a doorway, right? It's a doorway into a specific space. And if you learn the doorway, then you don't need the ayahuasca to get there again. Right. And so, you know, the, if you go once and you learn the doorway, then, OK, great. Now, you know, the doorway. So then you can go and, and experience that and you know, do your doorway and, and have your experiences and keep going from there without having to go through the ayahuasca experience again. Right. So this is what I'm saying is that joy, pleasure, these things have doorways. And once you've gone through the doorway, now you can experience them. So I'm, that's why I'm saying, yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about the, the more trauma thing. Hmm. I don't know. I kind of look at it as like going up an elevator, trying to reach the top like floor. I look at it as like going up an elevator. Like each trauma is a different floor in a skyscraper. And I'm just trying to get to the roof. I don't think we're going to agree on this one. <laughs> <laughs> You're just yanking my chain to yank my chain. <laughs> Have you tried ayahuasca? No. Would you? No. No? You don't want to open that door? It's not that I don't want to open the door. It's that I don't... I don't uh, there's several things that I have challenges with with ayahuasca. One is that it's been so commercialized... And so many of the people doing it are doing it outside of the context of the actual medicine and, and approaching it from places that are not healthy for them. Um, and so, and it's also not done in a safe environment where, you know, in, in many cases, there are some exceptions that it's not done with anybody who's not traveling. And therefore, if you have a bad, uh, you know, allergic reaction or a bad reaction, there's nobody on site to help you. And the third thing is, I don't like throwing up. I don't really feel like I want to do that purge process. So uh, there are places in the astral. I know how to get to pretty much everything in the astral. So, you know, am I interested in ayahuasca? I'm really not. You know, would I do DMT, which is the equivalent of ayahuasca without all of the angst and upset and the, you know, eight to 12 hour journey and whatever, the whole dieta and everything else. Um, maybe, but I would definitely prep for it. 
you know, with the dieta and, and all of that. So, hmm. um, but because it's a, it's a, it's a short walk, right? It's not a, it's not a long journey. It's a short walk and it's, it would show me the doorway without me having to go through everything else. Have, but, have you ever done mushrooms? Yeah. Years ago, years ago. Um, I did not enjoy the journey. So, so how do you do, how do you work in an astral? How do you get there? I just, I send my consciousness there. So, you know, if I go into the astral, I'm just, I'm just sending my consciousness out. I, I intend to go and I go. So, you know, it's, there's different places in the astral that I go to. Sometimes I know where I'm going. Sometimes I don't. And I get a guide. Uh, for instance, uh, I was doing a ritual once with Kathy, who is, uh, she, she's a regular on my podcast. Um, and she said, meet me at the supernal temple. And I went, okay. And I hopped over into the astral and I went, I have no freaking clue where the supernal temple is. <laughs> and so I called grandmother spider, who's one of my totems. And I said, can you take me to the supernal temple? And she took me there. And I did the ritual with Kathy. And, you know, of course, all of this discussion with Grandmother Spider had been in my head and not out loud. And we, we finished the ritual. We closed it down. And she looked at me at the end and she said, what was with the spider in the corner? And I was like, well, I didn't know how to get to the Supernal Temple. So Grandmother Spider brought me. And she's like, oh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> so... So do you, you when you when you do this though do you like do you meditate or do you use anything or do you just simply just do it by intention? Yeah, I just do it by intention. Because most people can't do it just by intention. Yeah, I can't, well, that's, I can't that's do what it twenty-five just by years intention. of practice will do for you. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I would sit down and I would get into a meditative state and I would I would spend, send my energy over and do that. But um, you know, it, it, it's something you develop over time and practice. But, you know, now I can, I can be there in two seconds. Interesting. I wish I could do that. But then again, if I could do that, that's where I would be all the time. I was going to say, I'm, I'm, what was the name of that movie? Brainwaves or the one, where, the one that Natalie Wood died in the middle of. Um, anyway, it's reminding me of that where you sort of get stuck in the perpetual loop. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. what I would do. Well, and that's probably why they don't let you do it. So when you do, you, do you teach other people how to do this? And what type of tools do you give them in the beginning to help get them out of their bodies? So again, you're not out of your body. This is a consciousness shift, not an energetic moving out of your body. So I want to be clear that that's the differential. If you are trying to get your spirit out of your body, it is 50,000 times harder to do that than to do a consciousness shift. So, you know, I want to be clear that that's where we're starting from. And it's also unnecessary to, to get out of your body. Now, um, in terms of shifting your consciousness, the easiest way to start that process is to talk to your spirit guides because the consciousness shift that you make to, to travel on the astral is the same as the consciousness shift you make to talk to your spirit guides, to talk to, uh, you know, spirits that have crossed over, you know, to do mediumship and things of that nature. It's a very similar 
energetic shift in your mind, in your consciousness. Okay. Um, and so practicing talking to your guides, practicing doing divination and, and picking up on the meanings of things. Now, when I say divination, I don't mean, uh, you know, dealing cards out and then reading the meanings. What I mean is dealing cards out and feeling into the energy of the, the cards and, and feeling into the symbology and, and what the cards are saying to you. That is how you're shifting your, your perception in that case. If you are reading out of a book, you're in your head, you're not in your consciousness. And that's a difference. Mind and consciousness are not the same thing. Hmm. Odd. So by that same nature, if you're wondering if you're doing it right, that thought is in your mind, mm -hmm. not in your consciousness. Hmm. See, I tend to use things like binaural beats, meditation, um, I want to try an isolation tank. Sure. That would be fun. Or all, all these things at the same time. For somebody who's so sensationalist, the fact that you're trying to leave your body so often is pretty interesting. Because you're like angel dust and cake and sex, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's a pretty embodied experience right there, right? An isolation tank is actually an embodied experience, mm -hmm. right? All of these things that you're describing are embodied things. And yet you're saying that you're really trying to leave your body, which, which is oxymoronic, right? It's like, why, why are we, what, what is the, what is the thing in that for you? How is well, that? Valid? It's like, um, it's like, I'll leave my body if I hit myself in the head with a hammer hard enough. Sure. There are, it just less makes sense to me. Ways. <laughs> there are less painful ways. You seem to have this thing about, you know, how much pain can I experience? <laughs> oh, I, I do think that's part of the meaning of life, actually. It, it is to, to, we're, we're here to suffer and experience all this pain. And then on the other side, there's like this bliss, you know, like Shangri-La. So you're saying this entire lifetime is to be able to experience the relief of not being in it? I think the, you know, the the, the, the more pain I experience in this life, the better the other side's going to be. Because it has to have a balance. That's a duality thought. Mm-hmm. That, that everything has to have a balance is right. a duality thought. Right. Well, nature seems to be dualistic. The physical reality is dualistic. The spiritual isn't. So your, your assumption there, again, is that there will be balance, except that that requires being back on the physical plane to get your balance. Hmm. I and don't you're know. assuming that the balance exists between lifetimes, which you know fits into the karmic perspective. Uh, in in Hinduism, but I'm I don't buy into karma, so um, I don't know that that from so you, my perspective that doesn't jive. So you think we just live one lifetime? Oh no, I believe in multiple lifetimes. I, but, I but, but what I do in this lifetime doesn't matter what's going to happen in the next. Uh, I didn't say that either. But what I what I said was I don't believe in karma, which is that you know you pay for things in the next lifetime that you did in this lifetime, and I I don't. We are, we are creative beings creating our own reality. So if I feel guilty about something that I did in a past life, 
I may create a situation in the current life where I pay for it. But if I don't feel guilty about something, then that guilt will not carry forward from my perspective, because in my perspective, we're creating everything. So all I have to do is be a psychopath. <laughs> Problem solved. Problem solved, baby. You know, and here I am thinking, <laughs> if I suffer enough in this lifetime, I could be Hugh Hefner in the next lifetime. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, so what other techniques do you, do you, I mean, when you use, like, how did you learn, actually, how to do all this? Like, how did you learn um, about the spirit world and mediumship? And, and all these different um, way, modalities of healing. Well, my mother raised me in the New Age movement. So my mother had been psychic when she was a child and she was scared of it. And so she shut it down and she never managed to figure out how to open it back up again. And she was committed to the idea that I, that would not happen to me. And so when she realized I was talking to ghosts when I was in my crib, uh, she started teaching me spiritually based stuff. And when my parents got divorced, she started on a hardcore personal growth path at the same time. And so I was raised on Seth and Ram Das and Abraham Hicks and JC Knight. And, you know, you name it, I was, you know, it was running in the background of my life, my whole life. And she took me out for psychic development classes. And I was reading tarot cards by the time I was 12. I was doing self-hypnosis by the time I was 10. So it, it, I, it was just part of my life growing up. And so it's just part of who I am now. And um, so a lot of this stuff I didn't actually learn. I just sort of did. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I said, I was talking to ghosts in my crib. So you know, that was already there. And a lot of children do that. A lot of children can see ghosts. They see spirits. Um, it, it's pretty natural for young children. If it, they're under the age of four, they probably are seeing spirits. Uh, it's only as they start to get a grip on quote unquote reality that they start, that they stop seeing that, that they, they close down that vision. Um, and just my mother didn't let me do that. Because she was like, nope, 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 this stuff's real. We're going to talk to you about it as though it's real. And therefore, it's going to become part of your reality. And that's what happened. So, like, she brought Est home when I was six years old, which is the not kinder, gentler version of Landmark. Mm -hmm. right? It was the early precursor to Landmark. So, but yeah, I mean, it's just, there was so much that was going on in my childhood that it was just a natural part of it. Hmm. So, you know, I just learned to to do this stuff naturally. That's pretty cool. So so did you, but but your trauma was being, when you guys were in the military? Your mom, yeah, mom she, was military. She wow, was a, that's like an unusual yeah. combination well, she, being in the military and, you know, being into new agey stuff, especially at that Well, time. she was a nurse. So she was a nurse in the military, so she wasn't arm-sparing, um, but... Yeah, it is unusual. Is she still alive? No, she passed in 2010. Oh, so. bummer. Sorry, loss. Yeah, that's sure, sure, she would have been a great podcast guest, though. <laughs> 
my mom was a character. <laughs> uh, my my dad died in, in 2017, and and a couple came to his funeral, and uh, and they said, "Oh, we knew your mother back in the day, you know, when my parents were still married." And they said she was a free spirit. <laughs> like, yes, that that pretty much describes my mother is is mm. is a free spirit. She really should have been a hippie. She wasn't, but she should have been. <laughs> That's pretty cool. My mom was a follower of Anton LaVey. Oh, there you go. No, I'm just That's a name that. I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> I just made that up. It's not <laughs> <true>. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's a different story altogether. <laughs> that's a horse of a different color. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting, you know, that you like, like growing up like that. Though, did you feel like how did you fit in with other kids? Did other kids think that you were kind of weird? Oh, I was weird. <laughs> my, my, yeah, I, I was weird. I mean, my cousin. My cousin was seven years older than is seven years older than me. And she looked at me at one point in the last few years and said, you were a scary kid. And I was like, what do you mean? I was a scary kid. She said, you would just stare at people. And she said, you wouldn't say a word. You just stare. It was like you were taking in absolutely everything I was saying and doing. It was terrifying. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. I was studying you. <laughs> She's like, that was scary, man. I'm like, okay. So, but yeah, that's, I, I was the odd man out my, my whole life. You know, I, you know, part of it was the Coke bottle glasses and the being the new kid in town and being, you know, I was always the smart kid who blew the curve too. So that didn't make me popular. So, you know, you, you <laughs> oh man, I got a lot of shit for that growing up, but yeah, it was, it was hard to fit in, you know? You're not so, wearing glasses now. No, I have contacts. Really? <laughs> Though blind is a bad. I can't do contacts. <laughs> I love my contacts. Yeah, I can't. I can't be poking stuff on my eyeball. Yeah, it took me a while to get used to it. Now I'm just like, eh, <laughs> no hmm. problem. Um, so when you do, you ever use your abilities, um, for personal gain? You know, like, 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 can you like ask your spirit guides, you know, like, um, you know, lottery numbers, stuff like that. Everybody asks that question. <laughs> if I could ask for lottery numbers then then, you know, I would have done that a long time ago. It, 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 here's the thing. It doesn't occur to me to do it for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I talk to my guides, like I talk to my guides about things that are, so a long time ago, I used to be able to see my own future. Oh, that's awesome. And, well, you think it's going to be, and then it isn't. See, if because, I could do that, then I could dodge all the mistakes. Yeah, you think you can. <laughs> but you, you just see them coming, right? And, and you, I haven't found that it actually, I never found that it actually worked. And I found it actually very boring because I felt like I, I didn't, Nothing was a surprise. I got very jaded very quickly when I when I could see my own future. And so I turned it off. And so now I will tap in and ask my guys questions if I if I feel like I need it for planning purposes. So for instance, 
I'm, I'm getting some new initiatives done in my business right now. And I asked my guys, I'm like, when is the money going to start rolling in off of these? So I know how to plan. And they said, February. I was like, okay, all right, good. So, you know, I, I can, I get that kind of information, but it doesn't occur to me. And I, I kind of don't want to know. I want to, I want to actually do it myself. You know, it's like, I want to go through and, and figure it out. And that's half the fun of it for me. Right. And I don't want it handed to me because, you know, then what's the point? So you have good spirit guides. <laughs> okay, tell me what you mean by that. Because clearly well, you, you mean I'll tell, you don't. I'll, I'll tell you what. You and, you and I, let's trade spirit guides for a week. <laughs> Because so my, mine, I guarantee, will lead you down the wrong road. Okay, so so two things. Two things. One is if you have a spirit guide that is leading you down the wrong road, it may not be a guide. It may be a demon fucking with you. <laughs> I didn't ask if we could cuss on this. But, <laughs> you know, but it may be, right? Um and I've, I've had that happen to clients of mine before where, you know, we, we had them set up their protections and they found their quote unquote guide outside of their protections and pissed off. And I'm like, yeah, that's not a guide. That's a demon. So, uh, so that could be number one. And number two is your guides will sometimes take you down paths that you find unpleasant because there's something for you to get in that path. And so, you know, you pretend that you act like my guides are all sunshine and lollipops. And that is not often the case. In fact, my first five years on this path, I spent a lot of my time cursing at them and telling them to go screw off because I wasn't doing what they were going to tell me to do. You know, I had a very contentious relationship with my guides in the beginning of my process. So, you know, um, yeah, it's only over time that I learned how to how to trust them and and you know give them direction as well as take direction from them. Hmm. But we can't trade. <laughs> Wouldn't do you any good. Mine would mess with you just as much as yours are. I don't like my guides. They don't get milk and cookies. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, that mine didn't get milk and cookies, and they got yelled at a lot. So I feel you. Mine are more like stale cigarettes and bourbon. <laughs> oh, so you're 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 uh, talking to Papa Legba, are you? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then I will tell you, he is a taskmaster. I've been down there in Mississippi at the crossroads. Yeah. Trying to find him. Yeah. Well, he'll find you. If you wow. if you didn't make proper offerings, that could be your problem. Hmm. I'm just gonna fire my spirit guys. See if I can put an ad up for some new ones. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> it's like we don't even have free will. <laughs> I think it's a balance, actually. You know, I think there's a certain amount that we we opt into when we come in, and you know, a certain amount that we choose along the way hmm yeah i don't remember signing this agreement <laughs> well that's part of the agreement is that you don't remember 
what is this? A used car dealership? Yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> like, like, how did I get this lemon car? Hmm. So, so what other services do you offer? Well, my primary thing that I do is I work with people through a process that I've I've uh, created that is a shortening of the process of personal growth. So it took me like 25 years to get to where I am right now. And, you know, that's after having been raised in the new age movement and doing all of this work as a kid. And, you know, the, the reason it takes so freaking long is because you spend most of your time going, I don't know what I need. Let me try this. Let me try that. Let me try that. Let me try that. And, you know, you do 15, 20, 30 things before you find one thing that works. And that makes incremental progress, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, when when you can get rid of all of the crap that you don't need, you can actually shorten that time frame up pretty dramatically. So I can take people through the process that I went through in 20, 25 years in like two and a half years. So that's pretty good, right? You know, it's 10 times faster, right? <clears throat> so are you so, saying that you could help me? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, you, you'd have to actually want to be helped, and I'm not convinced you do. So <laughs> there is that. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not convinced that you actually are, are, uh, are doing a spiritual podcast and not just a, a uh, way to debunk spirituality <laughs> piece right now. So there's a... Uh, your your skepticism is so high that I'm not sure that you would actually do well in my program at this point. Actually, I'm not a skeptic at all. Okay. I, I've written a book on enlightenment. I was a mm -hmm. Zen monk. Um, I, too, have been reading tarot cards since I was about 12 years old. Okay. Um, I've, I've had all sorts of spiritual experiences and paranormal experiences. Um, so I, I believe in all this stuff. Okay. So yeah, I'm definitely so, I'm definitely not a skeptic. That's for sure. Okay, you're just there's there's a part of you that is very attached to the negative side of things. No, I don't think so either. I I I think there's a part of me that accepts it. I just accept it the way it is. Energetically, so. I don't want to read your beads on air here. So no, go ahead. Uh, go ahead and okay. do it. All right. You, you, can, you can say whatever you want about. <laughs> okay. All right. So so there's there's one place in which you accept what is, right? So like right now, the state of the world, the state of the U.S., the state of the world is, is icky because of the pandemic, but the state of the U.S. is just a freaking nightmare, right? It's just like, ugh, what is all of this angst and upset, right? Um, and to accept what is, is to be like, yep, okay, that's what it is. And you don't harp on it and you don't get depressed about it. And you don't like get, get angry about it. You're just like, it is what it is. And I can't do anything about it. And in the moment, if I have a choice to do something about it, it then I will make my choice. But otherwise I'm just going to let it go because I can't influence it. Right. It's, it's, it's an acknowledgement of what is. Mm -hmm. That is not the experience that I've had with you in the last hour. What I've seen is you grabbing the negativity and like bang, 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 banging on it. 
being like, this sucks and I'm going to make this worse and I'm going to make that worse. And, you know, there's this, this, there's this, um, it's not, it's not like it's irreverence because that's not the, it's not meant to be reverent. It's, it's a sense of, I'm going to bang on this hard enough to knock something loose sort of thing, but I'm really attached to finding something out of this. It's like, that's your, you're playing coyote shaman right now, sort of energy, right? You familiar with that term? No. Coyote shaman. What's that mean? So, uh, heoka, you know that term? Mm -mm. Okay. So the idea is that you, you, you bang on the opposite to, to shake up, you, you, you change the dynamic to shake up the dynamic itself, right? To mm -hmm. shake up reality, to, to wake people up, right? There's this way that, that, that this sort of, this conversation has felt very much like coyote shaman energy where you're like, here, let me just do the thing that nobody ever says just to see what happens, right? There's, there's a very Loki. Are you familiar with Loki? Mm -hmm. The trickster, right? Yeah. The trickster God, right? Very Loki energy, right? similar energetics across different cultures, right? And it, it is, it is disruption for the sake of disruption, not necessarily for the sake of, uh, in, in this case, it feels like disruption for the sake of disruption. Um, and you know, you're just sort of seeing what happens, right? Um, and you know, that's great. That's fine. I'm happy to hang with you, <laughs> but, the, this energetic that you're in right here would not serve you in my program. It's not going to get you. It wouldn't get you where you, where the program is designed to take you because yeah. you're in, you're looking to disrupt, not to evolve. There's a difference. So what would I need to do to change that? Um, well, you know, a lot of this is you, you, there's, you would have to answer this question for me to answer that question. Okay. One, are you doing this consciously to see what happens or are you doing it sort of subconsciously out of a jadedness? I'm curious. So it's a conscious thing. Yeah. Are you doing the, you're doing the disruption thing consciously. I don't really consider it a disruption. I consider it sort of digging, looking for something. You know, it's like, um, like, like, I'll give you an example. It's like, I play guitar. If I drop my pick inside the guitar, I got to pick it up and shake it until it falls out. Right. That's kind of like what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. That's, so you feel like your spiritual path has taken you to the point where you've lost your pick inside of your guitar. Exactly. Okay. It's in there somewhere, I and I know if I shake hard enough, it's going to come out. Right. Okay. And it got so, turned upside down, too. <laughs> it's a good analogy, actually. It is a good analogy. It is. So I'm going to try and find an, I'm going to try and use that analogy to, to, to give you the answer that you're looking for. Um, so you've dropped your pick into the guitar, and instead of saying maybe what I need to do is learn to pick with my fingers. Maybe sometimes I'm just done with the tools and I need to become the tool. Instead, you're going, where's my pick? I need my pick. And you've got the guitar upside down and you're shaking it and you're like, where's my pick? I've got to have that pick back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
the answer for you is not where's the pick. The answer is how, how do I become the pick? You're, you're, if you've done all of this stuff up until this point, then at some point you have to let go of the tools. You have to let go of the trappings. You have to let go of the, the structure that you've been handed and become the next level, right? You have to stand into the beingness rather than the doingness of the work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to, to find that next stage, you have to let go of the pick. So you just got to leave it in there all by itself? No, you just got to play the music, and not worry about the pick. Because this wasn't about the pick. It was about the music. See? Now, now isn't that great? See? That was a great analogy. Thank you for that. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here That's for. That's why I love talking to metaphors, man. I live for the metaphors. <laughs> when I teach people to, to create ritual, I'm like, the very first thing you have to do after deciding what you want the ritual to do is pick your metaphor. Because... Mm-hmm. That's that's what you work with. Hmm. Cool. Um, so before we wrap this up, yeah, where is the best place for my listeners to find you? Ellisparta.com. It's K-E-L-L-E-S-P-A-R-T-A.com. Or you can just come over to the podcast at SpiritSherpaPodcast.com or SpiritSherpa on any podcast player. Hmm. So what do you do on your podcast? I haven't listened to it. Do you have a guest? Do you just do it yourself? I do. Um, I, I have a few guests. Um, so it's mostly me or me and Kathy or Charlemagne, who are uh, teachers in my school with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I have a guest every six or eight weeks. Um, and basically, I'm very picky about my guests. And I'm just like, you know, I, I want somebody that I think is actually going to be useful to my my people and make sure that they're I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm picky about my guests, hmm. but, um, the, the vast majority of it is me talking and it's, you know, the, it, it's called your, your guide to energy magic in the spirit world. And so we do a lot of, uh, stuff on energy magic in the spirit world. And we also do a lot of personal growth related stuff because people come into this work in this world because they're unhappy because they're in pain they they come in looking for a magic pill. And typically they get lost for two to five years in the bright and shiny, ooh, tarot cards, ooh, angels, ooh, you know, whatever, right? Um, And the goal of my podcast was to shorten that distance to the amount of time it took to binge 15 or 20 episodes. And so I'm giving them all the bright and shiny stuff that they want and then reminding them that they came to try and get happier and so that's what the personal growth episodes are about is saying, remember, you came here for this. Here's some stuff about that. Here's some stuff about this. And so you're getting the, the energetic work along with the personal growth work. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Well, I'll put a link to your website and to your podcast and notes to this episode. And, Thank um, you much. And if you ever want to have, like, the greatest guest on the planet on your show, I will volunteer. <laughs> Good to know. Thank you. Although I, don't I know will if check I make my that schedule. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
it, yeah, I mean, this is, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, this has been a really interesting conversation and it, I, it definitely has given me some, some new perspectives to think about. And that, as I said, is a, is a real gift. I don't often get new perspectives. So, uh, that's you know, the best gift, gift you can give a shaman is a new perspective. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure having you. I enjoyed talking to you and you're welcome back to come on anytime. Thank you very much. It was great to be here. Great. Now hang on one second. I just got to play the outro. Okay.